by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Anybody in here ever played wiffle ball? You get a little plastic bat, right? And you get a little plastic ball and you go out there and somebody pitches and you hit it. Not me and my little brother. <laughs> when I was a teenager, of course, I'm six years older, you know. About 60 pounds heavier than he was, so I made the rules. But we decided to play wiffle ball at my grandfather's house. Well, we played every day. But it wasn't just a simple get a plastic bat and a plastic ball. We got up early in the morning. We'd go take some dirt out of his freshly dug garden. <laughs> and make a pitcher's mound on his special zoysia grass or whatever he had. He had some special grass. He was the only one in Shaw, Mississippi with that type of grass. He was so happy. <laughs> but we cut base paths in it <laughs> and made a, a pitcher's mound. We took it serious. And then we would get that little plastic ball, and we would get some uh, electrical tape and start wrapping that thing. We would... Wrap enough electrical tape on that thing to mummify a woolly mammoth. I mean, we just kept wrapping. And by the time we got through, it was heavier than a baseball. I don't know why we didn't just use a baseball. And we didn't use the plastic bat. We threw that thing in the garbage. We used real aluminum bats. And we spray painted a strike zone on the pump house and put a home plate there. And then our imaginations at that age are just tremendous. You know, I was always the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he was always uh, the Houston Astros. He loved Nolan Ryan. But I loved the greats from that era, Steve Garvey and pitchers like Don Sutton and Fernando Venezuela, the curveball king, you know. And we had our whole lineup. We knew all nine batters. And we would, he would write his on one side of the pump house, and I'd write mine. And uh, we wouldn't just play, you know. We had to have a commentator, which was me, because I was six years older and 60 pounds heavier. <laughs> And I would get to commentating, and now he, and I would make the crowd noises. You ever made the crowd noises when you was little? You know, if I'd strike him out, strike three. And I, he says, it ain't fair. The Dodgers always get louder crowd noises than the Astros. I said, that doesn't happen here at Dodger Stadium. There's, we're fair here, you know. He wanted to make the crowd noises. What an egomaniac. <laughs> No, no, I'm 60 pounds heavier. I make the crowd noises. And I made the rules, too. And since he was younger and I was, you know, playing high school baseball at the time, I thought I was something. I would say I only need, the Dodgers only need one out until the last inning. I just take one out, he takes three outs, right? And so, uh, Where do I go with that? So, so, so we would get to the final inning, you know, and if he was tied or he was about to catch me or if it looked anywhere close like he might win, I would, I would evoke the three-out rule on the last inning. The Dodgers got three outs. He would cry 
And he would want to, he'd be so mad he'd want to spit, but he knew if he spit, I'd call him disqualified for spitting on the field, and I'd win anyway, so. <laughs> but one thing inevitable in every game, long about the ninth inning, the Dodgers coach would call to the bullpen, send in big guy Sheffield. <laughs> and the crowd would roar as big guy Sheffield run from the bullpen up to the mound. <sighs> he would cavalier wink at the ladies in the crowd, hitch up his pants, you know, and he would, he would commence to throw in a 90-mile-an-hour fastball with that doctored-up wiffle ball from about 30 feet. <laughs> And if Heath had hit, got any hits previous to that, he was a little wary to get up to the plate because he was already suffering from all the whelps of the Fernando Venezuela curveballs that didn't curve. <laughs> you know, he was, he, he's like this. But he had to because I was six years older and 60 pounds heavier. <laughs> and big guy Sheffield would set about to strike out the side and win the game. Yay. Right? Why do I tell you this story? I don't know. I kind of know, but I'm, I'm going to wait and tell you later, okay? We know. The Bible says that judgment begins where? Does anybody read your Bible? Judgment begins at the house of God. Judgment begins with us because we're God's children. He's going to judge his own before he's going to judge the sinner. He knows what the sinners are going to do, okay? They're going to sin. But he's going to make sure that his house is in order so that we can help the sinners become part of the, our house. So judgment begins at the house of God. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem that last time, he rode in to the, he walked into the temple. What's the first thing he did? He cleansed the temple. The first thing he did when he got to Jerusalem was he cleansed the temple. He began to judge the house of God. Y'all are not supposed to be selling over here and buying. My house is not a marketplace. He turned over the tables and let go of the doves. And he cleansed the temple. That was the first thing he did. And in John chapter 2, verse 18... It says, but the Jewish leaders demanded, what are you doing? What, what are you doing coming in here showing us how to do church? What are you doing? If God gave you authority to do this, show us a miraculous sign to prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple and in three days, I will raise it up. What? They exclaimed, it has taken us 46 years to build this temple. And you're going to rebuild it in three days? They were scoffing at Jesus. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his body. Do you have a temple? You're living in a temple right now. It's called your earth suit, this body. He said this, he meant that the temple was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus said. I think that's strange because what Jesus says is the scriptures. 
But Jesus was saying, they're going to destroy this temple. And they did. But how many of you know that your temple is going to be destroyed too? This temple isn't made to last. All of our temples are going to be destroyed. But because Jesus in three days went to the tomb on our behalf and was raised on the third day, we get an opportunity to be rebuilt, the temple rebuilt in three days. We get a new life. We get a new beginning because in three days, Jesus raised up a new life for all who would believe. Isn't that good? I believe we're living in the last days. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, I watch the news. <laughs> Ain't you watching the news? No, don't watch the news. The fact that you can't watch the news without getting angry tells me that we're living in the last days. The fact that you can't watch the news and trust anything that they say on there tells me we're living in the last days. And we've been quoting this scripture, Hebrews 12, 26. It says, once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. Are you being shook? Just a little bit, maybe? Your little temple's quaking? This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only uh, unshakable things will remain. And I keep asking this question, how, how unshakable is your faith? How unshakable is your love? Because right now, the Bible says in the end, the love of many will wax cold. Maybe there's reasons for that. Maybe there's a reason that, that you're being shaken right now and your love is being shaken because you're watching the news, because you're being fed this and that by the demonic forces that want to divide and conquer this nation and want to destroy the church. Is your love being shaken? Are you listening to the propaganda of the devil? Who seeks to divide. Do you, I didn't mean to go here, but do you understand half of those incendiary videos that you're watching on Facebook right now are sent over here from China or from Russia? They're taking old videos and, and, and feeding them into our society to make us hate one another? Just an idea. The temple... This earth is being torn down and what people really believe is being revealed. And some Christians, I would say many Christians, are being shaken. Their faith is being shaken. Their love walk is being shaken. And they're, they're in fear. They're shaken to a place of fear. They're so afraid to die that they won't live. 
They're so they're holding on so hard to this temple. That they're not living for their eternal purposes. They're holding on to this temporary temple. But Jesus commands us to die daily. Don't get caught up in this temple. Is that over your head? You're looking at me funny. See, boy, as human beings... We tend to see what's right in front of us right now. We can't see past the weekend. But there are forces at work in the world who are seeing the bigger picture, and they're trying to manipulate us. They're, they're certainly manipulating the world, but they're manip manipulating Christians as well. And we're being shaken. We're being shaken out of our love walk. We're being shaken out of our faith. And we have to see the big picture. We can't Invest everything in the here and now. We have to see beyond. Jesus endured the cross, despises the shame for the joy that was set before him. He was looking past the cross at the day that you would be saved. And we need to look past this time of shaking that we're in and see the bigger picture that God wants to use you in these end times. If you can hold it together and be one of those things that's not shaken, God will use you in a mighty way in this end time harvest. If you won't be shaken. For those of us who pray, and I hope that's all of us, for those of us who pray, we're recognizing that we're getting exactly what we've been praying for. I didn't pray for any of this. Yes, you did. We've been praying that God would get the church right. That God would cleanse the temple. That there would be a great awakening in the church. That the church would be driven to be a house of prayer. We pray these things every Tuesday night. God, wake us up. And we pray that darkness would be exposed. The plots and the schemes of the wicked one would be revealed for everyone to see. And it surely is right now. All those people who used to pretend to be civil are not pretending anymore. They used to lie to us and say well, abortion was just... They just supported, uh, supported abortion just because the woman's right to choose and, and they didn't think it was a baby. But now they know it's a baby and they still want to kill it. And after the baby's born, some of them are saying, I still would kill it. But we prayed that the darkness would come into the light so that we could see what we're dealing with. We prayed for this. And it's God's mercy that he's given us this shakening awakening, I call it. He's shakening us awakening. <laughs> and we've prayed for it because we didn't want to just be comfortable and see all these, the church comfortable in their pews, not witnessing anybody, not loving anybody, everybody just comfortable. And people on their way to hell. So we prayed, God, shake this earth. And it's happening. And the Christians are like, but I didn't know it was going to cost me my comfort. 
I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know I was going to be involved. I was just talking about them, God. Shake them. Reveal them, God. But you're revealing me too. You're revealing the way I feel deep down. You're exposing me, God. It's costing my finances, my job, my retirement. And we see what was really in our hearts. We were holding on to this temple. But I'll tell you what's about to happen. Are y'all ready for this? I'll tell you what's about to happen. God's going to call down to the bullpen. Can you send big Jesus Christ down? And the ultimate closer is going to come into the game. And he's going to shut them down. And the crowd. <laughs> Psalms chapter 2 verse 1. Says why are the nations so angry? I'll tell you why the nations are so angry. Because their plan was. To destroy America because America is the force for good in the world. America is the dam that's keeping back the deluge of evil in the world. They, their plan was to destroy America so that they could create this one world government. And all these leaders are vying to be the Antichrist that gets to sit on the throne of this one world government. And America is refusing to go quietly. And it's upset the nations. That's why China is sending stuff over here, propaganda. That's why Russia, that's what they're trying to divide us as a nation. It's a plot to destroy this nation so that the, the one world government that the Antichrist will rule can begin to reign. They have to get America out of the way. And so you see all this attempts at division in the land. You're being played. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. They don't want the mention of Jesus. They don't want him in the schools. They don't want him in the government. They don't want him in the world let us break their chains they cry and free ourselves from slavery to God they want to free themselves from any moral constructs that God may require of people so that they may live peaceably together they want anarchy but the one who rules in heaven laughs <laughs> Come on, somebody. Our God is sitting up there laughing. You're down here fretting. He's like, <laughs> they don't know who I got in the bullpen. <laughs> they don't know I'll make the rules around here. <laughs> the Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger, 
he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the mount. <laughs> he said, I've placed my chosen king on the throne. In Jerusalem and on my holy mountain. Jesus is about to take the mount. Say, that's my God. Say it loud and help me preach today. That's my God. Say it online. That's my God. Almost heard you. <laughs> my God is omnipotent. You know what that means? He's all powerful. There's nothing he can't do. He spoke the words 6,000 years ago, and the galaxies are still rushing into existence at the speed of light. He could take all the nuclear power that Russia and America and China and all the other nations of the world could muster, and he could quench them in between his forefinger and his thumb like this. That's my God. Say, that's my God. He's powerful. Psalms 33, 6 says, The Lord merely spoke and the heavens were created. He breathed the word and the stars were born. That's my God. Oh, come on, help me. That's my God. <laughs> and I, sometimes I can't open a pickle jar. Banging on the counter. But my God. I wish Anita was in here to hear that. But my God, that's her saying. My God is infinite. That means he's without beginning or end. He always was, always is, and always will be. Now, you might understand how he could be eternal because eternity is in the heart of man, the Bible says. He put it in there. You might understand that, yeah, I know that when I die, it's not going to be over. I'm going to be somewhere for eternity. I know that I'm just not here for a moment and gone. I know that my soul will live on. So you might can understand how I could be here for the rest of the time. But somebody in here explained to me that how God has no beginning. He was before the beginning. He has no beginning. If you can wrap your mind around that, you come up here and preach. <laughs> That's my God. That's my God. That's my God. Mm. He is the I am. He don't need your approval or your confirmation. He certainly doesn't govern the universe by opinion polls. <laughs> and you ain't the first knucklehead he's ever dealt with. That's my God. My God is omniscient. I'm using some big words. You don't hear these in Mississippi often. My God is omniscient. He knows all. Everything. Things that happened in the past, things that's going on now, things that are happening in the future. He's outside of time, space, and dimension. He knows everything. Isaiah 46.10 says, Only I can tell you the future before it ever happens. Everything I plan comes to pass. For I do whatever I wish. That's my God. He can tell you the future and he does what he wants to do. 
He knows the devil's next move before the devil even knows it's his move. <laughs> Are you kidding me? He knows you better than you know you. He knows the thoughts, intents of your heart. He knows the deep recesses of darkness that you hide away. He knows what you've done in the past, but he still loves you. That's my God. Woo, that's my God. He still loves us. <laughs> Man, if that don't make you love him back. My God is immutable. That means he never changes. He ain't going to change. He don't need to change. Amen? He's totally steady. He's a rock. He's a foundation on which you can build your life. Thank goodness he's not moody. If I was on the throne, I would have nuked this place seven or eight times by now. But he's not moody. But our culture today, they say, he's old-fashioned. He needs to keep up with the times. Culture today says it's okay to live with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. God needs to get with the program. They say it's okay to watch pornography. It'll help your sex life. They say it's okay to indulge in homosexuality. Or to commit adultery. It's just what men do. They make up the rules as they go along. Yeah, like I do with Heath. <laughs> but you know what? God said what he meant. And he meant what he said. And there ain't no amount of evolving that's going to evolve you away from the truth. This is what it is. And it ain't going to change. It don't wait for culture. It ain't waiting for what you think is best. It is what it is. You can be with the truth or you can fight against the truth, but you're going to pay the consequences. Amen? Amen? Our God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all at the same time. Hmm. Some of us wish we could go and hide sometimes. <laughs> He's with you when you think you're in the closet by yourself. Jeremiah 23, 23 says, am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I'm far away at the same time. <laughs> you explain that one to me. You come preach. <clears throat> Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? He's everywhere. All at the same time. You wonder, well, does he hear my prayers? Well, he's right there. His, his very spirit is in your heart if you're a Christian. What do you mean, can he hear your prayers? You praying way up there like you got to shout it out loud. <laughs> he knows that time that you helped that single mother out. He was there. He saw you when you slipped that $5 bill to that homeless person so they could get something to eat. He's heard every prayer you ever prayed. And he's collected every tear you ever cried. He's been there. He's been in the fire with you. He's been on the mountaintop. He walks with you through the valley. There's no place that you can hide from the presence of our God. But he's also there when that person cheats the widow out of her house. 
He's also there when they sell the children in the, the sex trade. He's also there in the darkness of the womb when those medical instruments go up in there and dismember his child. And those sins are on the docket. Justice is not blind. And they're waiting to be tried at the great white throne of judgment for those who don't repent and give their heart to Jesus. Our God is self-sufficient. He don't need me up here. I don't have to make excuses for God. He don't want me to. He don't want me to sugarcoat his message. He don't need me at all. But I need him with all my heart. I need him. I can't make this heart beat one more time. It's him doing that. I can't make these lungs take in another breath of air. That's him doing that. I can't make this mind be cohesive. Another instant. Else I'll be like the king that went out there like a cow eating grass when God took his sanity like that to teach him something. I need God. I breathe God. I want God. And you should too. Because God is just. There ain't one way to judge God, and he is just in everything he does. He is perfect in all his ways. Say, that's my God. He's perfect in all of his ways. He alone sits on the supreme court of all creation. He don't have 11 other members up there with him. If you got a beef with his ways, my friend, if you don't like them, well, he gave you the free will to be wrong. But you're going to pay the consequences if you go against him. Because the wages of sin is death. We all get to choose. He set it up like that. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher. He knew these things when he created Adam and Eve. He already had the, the plan of redemption, the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Before he created the world, he knew Jesus was coming. To give us all a choice in the matter. Our God is good. No other way to judge him. He's good. He's faithful. He's kind. And he loves us when we ain't good and faithful and kind. And if you don't believe he's good, then you got a faulty definition of what you consider good. If you don't believe, I don't think that's right. I don't think God should have done that. You stand in judgment of God? You must be God. You come up here and preach. <laughs> I got to laugh because God sits above the circle of the earth and laughs at this nonsense. My God, thank goodness. is merciful and gracious. 
He's merciful and he's gracious and he was willing to lay down his life to spare yours. He leaves the 99. He bears the sins of the world and he carries the cross of each individual. He carried your cross. Not a cross. Not the cross. He carried your cross. That's my God. My God is holy. He's unchangeably perfect in all of his ways. He cannot sin. He cannot lie. What he says is and what he does, does. My God is glorious. You can stand on the shore, opposite shore of the farthest sea, and you can't glimpse towards his glory and not be blinded. And that glory is the radiation of the culmination of who he is. And he is good. And that's my God. He doesn't shine because he's okay. He's not glorious because he's better than some. He is glorious and holy and righteous and true. And there's no way else to judge him. Isaiah 40. Chapter 40, verse 21 says, haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The word he gave before the world began? Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. And let me just throw in, at the time this was written, people had no imagination that the earth could be round. They thought it was flat. He sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. And he spreads out the heaven like a curtain and makes a tent from them. And he judges the great people of the world. And I think he's being facetious when he calls anybody great. The great people of the world. The money men. The puppeteers. Behind the scenes. Pulling the strings. Trying to create this one world government. Trying to set up the Antichrist. Those people. That seek to destroy America and everything good that we stand for. He judges the great people of the world and he brings them all to nothing. That's what he does. He's about to call down to the bullpen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thank goodness we know the end from the beginning. Woo. Some people be sweating because they don't know the character of God. What's going to happen next? I know what's going to happen next. We win. There ain't no question about it. When me and Heath played wiffle ball, he was never going to win. Not only was I six years older and 60 pounds heavier, I made the rules. If he ever... One, if he ever got ahead, it was because I let him so I could make a great comeback in here. <sighs> he was never going to win. If he happened to be ahead at the end, I would invoke a new rule that says we got to keep playing until I win. 
<laughs> if I was assured of victory, how much more is the Lord in heaven? We win if you won't be shaken. If you don't lose your love walk. If you don't lose your faith. If you don't be coaxed to come over here and hate people like everybody else. If you'll let your light shine. If you keep your face towards the hills from whence your help comes and the glory of the Lord begins to shine on you like it did on Moses. Oh, you'll shine in this earth. Oh, you'll, you'll see the harvest. You'll do great things. Bow your head and close your eyes. I'm praying right now that each one of you, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that you would come on over to the winning team. I know the devil's trying to hold on. He's gripping you tight, saying, please don't leave me, please. You don't want to go where he's going. He's a loser. Come on over. Put on a new jersey. A white robe. Put a signet ring on your finger. It says you belong to the king. Put you some new sandals on. It says I got a new purpose in this world. Kill the fatted calf. And party with us. And celebrate the victory. We celebrate now on this side of the Red Sea. We celebrate now because we know in whom we believe. We celebrate now because we know the character of our God. We know he's all-powerful. We know he can never lose. We celebrate. And God's arms are open wide. He's not satisfied. He's not satisfied that you should be lost. He's not satisfied that you would go the way of Cain. And hate your brother. He's not satisfied to lose you. He loves you. Give your heart to Jesus. And do it now. Pledge your allegiance to him. Repent of your evil ways. And ask him to be Lord. And you do that simply by praying out loud. Pray with me now. Say, God... I repent of my sins. Jesus, I trust you that you died on my cross, that you were resurrected. You rebuilt eternal life for me. In three days, be the Lord of my life. I will follow you the rest of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Open my eyes to see why I'm really here and what I am to be. Lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Teach me your ways that I may teach others. Help me be a disciple make a difference. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.